Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, really lovely to have your company. My name is Ian Cheeseman and as you know, on this podcast each and every week we talk all things Manchester City. Uh, now I have to say, first of all, uh, that my normal crew consists of me and three other people. And today, I think I might have five or six other people, <laughs> as you will find out as we go along. Um, we are on the road today. Uh, normally, well, we've done it in the past in a studio, and more recently, when travel became more difficult, we started to do it on Zoom, like so many things are done, with everybody scattered around. But tonight, we're actually in a cosy little studio in Mosley, which is not too far away from Manchester. And we're in the, the home and the hands of a very famous man, who I will introduce for you in just a second. But before I do, uh, let me just thank Howard Solicitors, who have offices throughout Greater Manchester and Cheshire, for their support. They are the sponsors of this podcast. They specialise in areas of law that affect the individual, so it's likely if you need some help or guidance, then they will have somebody who can help you. Their number is 0161 872 9999, or you can email law at howardsolicitors.com or simply look at the their website, howardsolicitors.com. So thanks very much and a big shout out to them for their support. So who are my guests today? Well, uh, one of the regulars on the Forever Blue podcast is, is a guy called Paul, who is with me today. And I'm sure he'll have a few tales to tell. And tomorrow, we're recording this on Sunday evening, we will be part of a little group that travels together to Copenhagen via Stansted, does it the long way around to keep the cost down. So we'll be doing all that fun and games and exploring um, Denmark and, and following city, of course. But our special guest today and our host is a man, if you live in the Manchester area, you've grown up in the Manchester area in particular, you will instantly know his name and you will certainly know the characters that he introduced to us many years ago and have been so so popular for so long if you're from outside the greater manchester area then i would say to you you've missed out because this guy is a genius and um, i've loved listening to his work for many many years and we'll explain a little bit more about who he is and what he does as we go along his name is buzz hawkins so buzz first of all thanks very much for hosting us and for being our special guest today well the pleasure is mine i'm hoping yeah, <laughs> you behave yourselves. You're all looking, yeah, looking like two decent men. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, you don't well. know Paul as well as I know no, him. No, no, yeah, might not say that at the end. Now, uh, t- you are a City fan, obviously. I mean, oh, we wouldn't yes. be sat if you weren't a City fan. So, how, how long have you been a City fan? Since my dad told me I had to be. That's usually the way it starts, isn't it? So he used to drag me to to Main Road to the reserve matches. At the time, Bert, Tra- uh, Bert Troutman was in the reserves on the first match I ever went to, and they, there was not an awful lot at Main Road, I remember, and we were in the scoreboard end, or on the scoreboard end, there was no in about it, was there, outside in the rain, and um, Bert Troutman wasn't having the best of games, I noticed, and my dad was not happy, and I remember that, and I'm thinking, I thought you supported City, Dad, why are you moaning and shouting, but... It, I learned. I learned. City fans can be a bit hard to please sometimes, can't they? Until you reach this season and last season and Pep Guardiola era, now we're easy to please because we know, don't we? Absolutely. We kind of expect. Us older fans do. I think. <laughs> I think some of the younger fans who have never seen what we've seen are still sort of like knock. You know, Ireland only got one yesterday. Yeah, did you, you know, see that post that somebody uh, put out on yeah, Facebook? Yeah, something? yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. Uh, it, it, what was it? it Harland broke his goal family. <laughs> six, 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 Sixty-five yeah. minutes, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I should, I should obviously explain that uh, normally. 
Uh, I vary the guests that we have, and we do have a lot of younger fans these days. We're part of the podcast as well, not least Tolby and Harlan and people like that. However, today, unapologetically, and uh, this is no insult to Paul, who's probably the youngest member of our little trio today, but we've gone for a slightly more mature vibe. So, again unapologetically we're probably going to be a little bit more nostalgic today than sometimes we are but nothing wrong with that and that's a good point for me then to say to you Buzz that in your career you have been certainly with the Bradshaws which is the thing you're most famous for I would suggest been all about nostalgia and all about the old days because the Bradshaws were set in a different era uh, you know an era about the sort of time you were talking yeah, about Bert in, Troutman that's interesting that because people say to me it's it's all about nostalgia well it, it never was really it is it just seemed to have worked out that way it's just based in pound shillings and pence time because the way I figured it not much changed until decimalisation and then seem, everything seemed to be different from that point on. I don't know why. Cash didn't have the same feel to it. Now it's got even less feel to it, as it now, because it's on your card. Um, but then, so yeah, so nostalgia's a big part of it, but it wasn't written as a nostalgic thing. It was just written um, basically because my dad had eight sisters and two brothers, and so I had a thousand aunties and uncles and the things you hear, and I, and I started off wanting to be a writer when I was about four years old, I think. And I started to write little things down in notebooks, and I've been doing it ever since. And when I started to look at these things, when it was time to leave school and choose a career, or coming up to that time anyway, this, these little notebooks of mine, which filled, filled a bag by then, told me that I'd got something I could work with here because I just wanted to write. And I thought, what can I write about? And there they were all the things that people say. And basically, that's all I've ever done. I've just put them into characters' mouths and put the things that I've... Nothing the characters say uh, is a, a totally original to that character. They're all borrowed from all the characters that I've met. I'll tell you what, a great well. example. When, when the three of us sat down before we started recording this, you told us a little story of, of, of being at a pub in the, in the local area. <laughs> and, and what I should explain is, obviously, we're a Manchester City podcast, and particularly the people who listen to us who are perhaps from further afield, because we get listeners in America, Australia, India, you name it, we've got, we've got listeners all over the place, will often say to me, you know, what is, it, what is it about the City fans that make them different? What is the City humour? And I would suggest, Buzz, that the type of humour that you do is very typical, really, of City fan humour. So just tell us that little story that, that you told outside. Right, so I'm a, I'm a townie, born in Beswick in Manchester. They pulled our house down when I was about 14 and started to move us onto an overspill estate, which got me nearer and nearer. It's only about eight miles out of Manchester, but it was then on the slopes of the Pennines, the lower slopes, hill country. Very close, four miles or so from Glossop. Glossop is in Derbyshire, but, it, you know, step over a line and it's suddenly Lancashire again. Um, and they're a different breed up there. But I was very excited because it was proper snow, not like the slush that we used to get when you <laughs> lived in town. It was proper snow, this, on that particular day. And I was out hunting for a rehearsal space for the band that I had together, who we were called Socrates. And we were out looking for, I was out looking for a rehearsal space and going around the pubs in Glossop, never having toured them before. And one in particular that I went into called The Crown, which is just up the road, uh, heading out towards Hayfield. 
surrounded by drifts of snow are walking through the door and to greet me on the left hand side I can see it now is a round, little round table with three old gentlemen sat around it crowds of people round the bar so I have to walk past these three to get in I was wearing that day a pair of moon boots moon boots <laughs> were my pride and joy it was the one thing I thought well I've moved I'm in <clears throat> hill country now and there's snow so I went on the market and I bought these moon boots and if you've never had a pair if, you, if I could find a pair, I'd have them now because they were really good, <laughs> warm and comfy and, and crazy looking. So I walked past these three old gents sat at the table near the door and as I passed them, I hear an old voice say, it looks a right twat in them. <laughs> <laughs> and I stopped and didn't look round. And then I moved forward again. And as I moved forward, he must have waited 10, 15 seconds, his mate said in a slightly different voice, you look a bigger twat on his arse in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I'm home. That's I, mank humour, isn't it? It yeah. is. It, yeah. really, it, was, it was glossop, but it was mank humour. Yeah. Just dry. fast. Manks Just dry, isn't it? And quick. Yeah. And, and, and quick. You bounce, they bounce yeah. off each other, don't they? And, yeah. yeah. I mean, you Brilliant. must. You, you, I know you run a garage, Paul, so you yeah. must come across people all the time who say things unintentionally, which is the sort of thing that buzz a bit of writing down in a, in a, in a pad. Do yeah, any of them I've, stick in your mind? I've, to be honest, at the top of my head, no. You've, I, I wish I'd, I, I could have gone through my memory banks. But you could be a millionaire I've, like Buzzy. I know I could have been. Honest, <laughs> honest I've, I've got some amazing characters. I've got uh, some amazing characters that do come through the garage. Um, no story spring to mind that I could probably put on air. I don't think, but um, you know, it's, it's that generation. I think you know, these these you know, I would say sort of like forty-five upwards have just got this. Knack, and we've all got the same sense of humour. I always say this when, whenever, I, I, whenever I do business with anybody, City fans are the best people to deal with. And I'm not just saying that. I, I do. I mean, you've been in my garage, Ian, haven't you? And um, everybody that comes in my garage talks about football to me. I get no work done some days because of it. And I can vouch for that. that. Etienne. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Shirt that you've got on, is it? No. <laughs> Nothing to do with this, no, no. Right. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> it's, it is actually a white shirt, that. It yeah. looks black <laughs> because he, yeah. he's under yeah. the yeah. car. Yeah, yeah. yeah just get <laughs> covered. I get covered in it. But no, I've got, so, I've got some fantastic customers and, you know, but no, I, I couldn't possibly put some of the stories out that they tell me on here. But you're, a, you're an old-fashioned fan in the nicest possible yeah. way because you've told me before that when you go to a game, you have to have your meat and potato yeah. pie. You've got to do this, that and the other. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is so, again, it feels like a City thing. And yeah. maybe I'm wrong for saying this because I'm not a United fan. I'm not a, sorry for saying that. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of any other club, but I don't see the same type of, certainly in a certain generation, the same type of grounded humoured, self-deprecating fandom anywhere else but at City. I think we've had to, though, over the years because, we, you know, you guys are a couple of years older than me. Um, not much. I, I don't remember the Colin... Very nice. <laughs> yeah, not, not much, not much. I'm just much. trying to get him back for the other one. Um, the, I don't remember the Colin Bell era. Obviously, I was alive then, but I don't remember it. My dad does and speaks amazingly highly of that team. Um so I've never really had it any good, you know. I've I just remember it being, you know, promotion relegation. We well, you you used to look forward to a relegation battle at the end of the season because there was never promote. You know, there was never there was never top six or anything like that that I remember. Um, you know, and we we've always had that. So we've turned up through thick and thin. So you've got yeah. to have a bit of a laugh. 
you know, you, yeah. you've got because otherwise, what's the point in turning up to the match? Because the football's not entertaining, but the characters you stood round. I remember on the Kipax, you'd, you'd I'd get in early. My grand, my grand lived on Thornton Road, which backed onto the Kipax car park. So, my dad liked to get in early. So I'd get in early and I'd, I'd sit down with my program because you, you marked off the team then, didn't you? When the, mm. and I'd get my corner chips and I'd be sat down with my corner chips and it'd just be me there, maybe a couple of others. And I think it was the, the Kestrel. Yeah. The, the Kestrel was above us, weren't they, in the corner to get the pigeons away? Elvis. Elvis, that was it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, 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 I'd be sat there pretty near to the away fans in the, like, the, the corner section. But you'd sit down and then everyone would fill up around you but it'd be the same people that filled up around you. I mean, you know, you'd watch people grow up. There was, you know, it's a young girl that'd start coming to us, and and, and you know, I watched her grow up to be a, you know, like a, a young a young woman sort of thing. But you all knew everybody. But there was no markings. There was no seats. Everybody, I get in first. Everybody filled up around me because they knew that roughly this is. And it was it was it was an amazing atmosphere. It was amazing growing up at a time like that, watching City through through the rubbish. But we didn't realise how rubbish it was. No. I don't think. We just knew that we didn't win very often. No, but we were st- we still laughed at th- no matter where oh. we were in whatever division we were at the time. We were laughing and it, and and yeah, self-deprecating. The, the city fans are always having a go at themselves. Yeah, uh, they, they you are, listen to the modern songs, yeah, don't you? That we're singing, you know. We fantastic. Yeah. When, when Joe Royal had his heart attack, do you remember when Joe Royal had heart attack? And the word was within minutes of, of hearing this had happened. It said Joe Ryle's just woken up in hospital and the first things he said, he says, where am I? And somebody said, you're in Oldham Ryle. And he said, well, what happened to Division 3? <laughs> <laughs> that was minutes yeah. after he yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's the, that's the humour. The, the, when we went through the inflatables and, and all the rest of the stuff, and, you know, we, we made it a thing to... I think Oldham are going through a similar thing at the moment where they're making it a thing to make the away day a really big. That's why our away following so good. Yeah. Because we, we didn't matter. It was the day out because the football wasn't really... the day out. There's yeah, nothing else to look forward to. There's nothing else. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, was it, what was it, 10 goals in a season with well, under Stuart Pearce at home? It was like... I remember, I think, uh, me and my mate Charlie, who I travelled with all my life, really, uh, we were in the paper, um, the evening news, because we were... We probably weren't the only ones, but we were two people who were identified as having been to 38 successive away games without a win. And then we, and then we, I think we we won at Bradford, um, you know, and and it was like, wow, we've won an away game for the first time in 38 games. And now, you know, we got to games thinking, how many we're we going to get today? Yeah. That's the reality of where yeah, we are. Do you think that's a dangerous place to be, though? It is. Uh, you don't want to get arrogant for disappointment here. Mm. I can't feel this. It can't I'm, go better though, can anymore. it? I we've said this along. We, we've always said this that I I don't care how many are in the ground, what division we're in. I'll still be watching him. Doesn't matter because I'm a City fan. I'm not, you know, if I don't go watching City, I don't go watching anybody. It's as simple as that. You know, I wouldn't yeah. go watching Curzon Ashton, Staley, but I wouldn't do that. It's like, I'm a City fan. I don't even watch football, if I'm being honest. I'm not a massive fan of football. That, that sounds really odd. But I follow City and that's it. I'm, I'm not, I don't know who these new players are that are coming in because I don't watch them. I watch right. them on YouTube when they come in just yeah. to sort of have an idea what they're about. Yeah. But that's it. I'm, I'm a City fan and nothing else. Well, let me ask you, Buzz. I know he's going in slight tangent here, but just tell us a little bit about the Bradshaws then. Um, 
because obviously they're based in this type of humour, 100% they're based in this type of humour. Uh, how long have you been doing them? And obviously, um, for a long time, when you were doing this on radio, I suppose you had to engineer a sort of uh, facade that, that these, A, were real characters, real people, yeah, yeah. But, but perhaps hide the fact that you were actually everything and all of them. And here we are. We could talk about it openly now, can't we? So... You know, <laughs> just tell us how it started and, and, and where, where it all originated. Right, it's interesting. You picked up a couple of interesting points there that I've, bits of me have kind of almost regretted a little bit in, in later life and later point, moments in my career. The bit about hiding my identity for all that time hasn't done the, the marketing of me any good later on. You know what I mean? But it, it works a treat now, so that's great. But I went through a phase where people were trying to... They were phoning in the radio stations, wherever it was, saying, we want to book the Bradshaws. <laughs> and, they, and they phoned me up and they said, and I said, but have you told them what they're going to get? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll you come up with something, won't you? So I started to make hand puppets and stuff like that. But even then, as, as recent... I'll go back to the beginning in a minute, but even then, as recently as... Uh, 2017, I did um, St. Helens Theatre Theatre Royal. Fabulous theatre. Full house, 1,200, 1,400 in there. Came out at the interval, uh, uh, at the end, to sign some CDs in the... There I was in the the foyer. And I walk across, and the guy, one one of the guys that comes down and looks after front of house for me, says, "We've, we've had a bit of an issue here at the interval. Well, I want what's up. There's a woman just went to the box office and started kicking up a fuss, wanting her money back. Because there's only one of you. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I've come to see the Bradshaws. She said, well, you're watching the Bradshaws. <laughs> so I'm not. There's only one of him. <laughs> I've come to see three people. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm glad to say box office didn't give her any money back. They're quite it's right. It's absolutely true. And that has happened ever since, always has. So back to the day when it started, I'm, I'm, I'm three or four weeks into a career start, which was at Piccadilly Radio, when it was 261. It was mm. a, an old station, 261, on the medium wave. And it was a bit anarchic. It was trying to be Radio 1-ish, but not so much Radio 1 as, what would you say, maybe Radio Caroline, mm. or one of those stations where... They didn't bother too much about what they said and what they did. They just got the listeners on board by being crazy. And, and so there was Timmy Mallet, there was Steve Pink, and there was all those people coming through Phil Wood. Yeah. So I'm, I've got a job there as night beat musician. Um, and that meant that I would go in at 10 o'clock at night and work till 6. So I'll be available until 6 o'clock to support the DJ, whoever that was. And, and the first DJ I ever worked with was, was Gary Davis. So Gary Davis. Um, and, the, and the reason for it was strictly financial for the station. They had um, a problem with what they call needle time. Now, Paul, you won't know about this, but needle time. Right now, radio stations can play virtually anything they want. You can listen to what you want because you've got Spotify and, mm. and, and all the rest of it. Then there was a thing called needle time. So independent stations certainly were obliged to play uh, no more than 40, uh, 51 minutes in an hour 
of of needle what they called needle time music, which was mainstream music, chart music, stuff that everybody knew. The other nine minutes were called non-needle time. So the only way they could get round it was first of all to play stuff that came off KTL records and covers like Joe Bloggs and the Soaps <laughs> yeah. sings the best of Barry Manilow. Yeah. So, but then the, U, the the MU got involved and said, "Well, why don't you employ some of our members? Because there's a there's a little fiddle here where if you get an artist to come in, a local, to sing some covers, he can sing what he wants. But because it's not because it's that, it's just covered and it's live music. It it beats your needle time problem. So you can have a right so." And not even the MU actually paid Piccadilly Radio to pay me to come in. <laughs> so I went in there, and, they, and at the time, the other, there were interesting people. There was Howard Jones, he was an overnight uh, nightbeat musician. There was uh, Mick Coleman, who wrote Match Dark Men, Cats and Dogs, he was a nightbeat musician. Um, there was Paul Rafferty, who was it's from Shore, you'll know, mm-hmm. Paul, you, well, you might know Paul Rafferty, but top quality. Uh, uh, Baker, Tony Baker, who, who finished up doing Phoenix Nights, all the music for Peter Kay's Phoenix Nights. So, and they, so it was a good breed. And they were going in and were taking it in in nights uh, in, uh, over the week and doing one or two nights. After two or three, three or four weeks, I was offered the opportunity of coming in and doing four or five nights. Because I don't know why. And, I, and at, at the time, it did occur to me, I think, that I was doing somebody else out of a job. But they didn't seem to be all... I mentioned it to them, and they said, nah, you know, we've been here too long. We're repeating ourselves now, so they moved on. And then within a few weeks, they made me up to be overnight producer. And that sounds like a great title to have, <laughs> doesn't it? Oh, and what yeah. it really meant was, because I asked the question, produ- what, what do I have to do as a producer? Well, you bring your guitar in, and you sing songs there and at the piano and do what you always do, but now you'll have a set of keys for the library. <laughs> And when you wanted, you go in the library and get some stuff for Gary Davis and anybody else that's on air. That's a producer. Brilliant. Fantastic. So, <laughs> open the world so there, didn't you? So I'm suddenly a producer and I don't know anything about it, but I'm a quick learner and I'm, I'm nosy. So I then, but I'd realised by then that the listeners uh, were limited during the night hours. There were security guards, milkmen that got up at three o'clock in the morning to start the job. Some people that that were in the uh, Daily Express on the printing side of it, getting the morning editions ready. And me mum, who used to and, listen and, all night. And me as well, because I and, couldn't and sleep, Paul, so I used to listen as well. Yeah. Known, you know. Oh, you could have meant. Known. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So there I was, and I realised that you, the, the management weren't listening. Every so often they dip in. And we found out later on that the the god of all things at Piccadilly Radio set an alarm once a week to wake himself up at a random time during the night to listen to that so he could then quote you what you'd just said or what somebody had said. And it sounded like he was, was on listening. duty and listening to you all night. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> so I started to loon about and I, I wrote that. And uh, there was a... Can I tell? Uh, yeah, I'll tell this tale because it's absolutely true. And stop me if I talk too much, because... Uh, I'm listening with... I'm loving it. I've had. Keep going. Um, yeah, talking too much is one of those things that I've been <laughs> graced with. Um, so this particular Tuesday, and we used to do a thing on a Tuesday, which was called Poets' Corner, when we'd invite the tabletop scribblers, people in the kitchens, who were listening all night long, to phone in and read a poem that they wrote some point during the night. 
It could be comedy. It could be anything at all. And then they'd win a sweatshirt or a T-shirt when Piccadilly had or some a, st- money. a sticker. You or got a sticker, sticker yeah, that'll yeah. do, yeah. yeah. And anyway, this particular night, Jane, who was on duty on the reception, phoned in and said, oh, no, we've got Marge on. Who's Marge? Well, I'll tell you who Marge is. Marge was a very sad lady, it turned out, who used to phone in every night for company because she'd sit there all night long. And her background story was that she'd sit there all night waiting for her boyfriend, and I'm making a quotes mark on either side of it here, who was a taxi driver who called now and then. Right. And But she was in love, and he was a taxi driver. So... You put the two and two yeah, together yeah, and yeah. get whatever you want from that. Like a new character for so you. So she phoned in. Oh, bless her. She phoned in with this poem. And I can remember the first line of it. But what happened when she did start to read it is the people round the table, it was a, Steve Uckvale from the uh, uh, from the engineer department. Um, who else was there? There was, there was about four of us around the base table and Gary Davis. And the, we all groaned, and everybody went, oh, no. <laughs> oh, slash your wrists. And it was all that going, I kept manx. You know, a bit cruel, really. But they didn't know we were background. So we moved on. People, Somebody else came on and said, you, you lot, you're a disgrace to the business, and you couldn't write a poem if, if, if you had all week to do it in. Oh, yeah, Gary Davis picks up the challenge. We'll write one for tomorrow, won't we, lads? And that was... A, <laughs> I did, and nobody else bothered. Yeah, right, I'll get to that. But the first line of that poem, I will never forget. It said, I collect my tears in an aspirin bottle. How dark is that? <laughs> <laughs> really? Absolute. And here I'll we are laughing, but that's my humour, isn't it? Absolutely. Anyway, so I came back the following day, having written this poem, uh, this monologue, a bit like Albert and the Lion. That was the first one. And the trick was, I thought, well, Albert and the Lion, OK, it's a storyteller, a narrator. So he reads it and it's... Uh, so who was it? Um, Stanley... Unwin. Stanley Holloway. Holloway. Stanley Holloway. Stanley Holloway. Unwin's Stanley 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 <laughs> <laughs> He did all that... Um, funny, funny chugly, yeah, chugly yeah, moldy yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Stanley Unwin, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We could talk in Chitty him Chitty him Bang like, Bang. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Stanley Holloway. He's, it's a monologue about a, a trip that a family take to Bellevue to the to the zoo, and um, and he tells the story. And he said they said they went and they did all the rest of it. And I thought, well, I could do that in rhyme and meter, but I know I'll be clever now. I'll do the characters telling the story themselves rather than telling the story about the characters. I get to the station, I've written the monologue, and I suddenly realise that I've now got to practice three voices because I've written three <laughs> characters in it. So I go in the library with my own keys, and, um, <laughs> and I can get Billy... Because he talks up here in his voice, right? And his mum was a struggle, so I moved on, and I got Alf. Look for the low register. So he's right down there. But in the middle, Audrey took a little bit of ironing out to, be, to sound female. I went back on. I'd already arranged for a, a, a brass band off a, a track three, I think it was, off this album that I, by Bessies of the Barn. Wow, how good this memory's coming back to me now. <laughs> I give it to Gary and I said, look, when before we start, I want you, on red light, I want you to just play in the slow start to the brass. And then when I start talking, bring the brass right down. Don't get rid of it altogether, just 
take it right down to barely there, a bed, and I'll do this monologue over the top of it. And I didn't, it worked a treat, and the lights went on and the telephones and people phoned and phoned and phoned all night, do another one, the following day, do another one. And it went on and I wrote, eventually, after several years there, I wrote 700 of those little five and six minute pieces, wow. 700. By then the management had heard that things were going all right after about a couple of years. I produced a couple of years with Phil, Phil Wood during the night and they said, will you come back on days and bring the Bradshaws with you? And... Um, and it went, I can, the monologue, I can give you the first, I think it went something like, Alf, love, shall we take the lad to Blackpool? It's raining. Well, it might be sunny there. We'll take the flask and plastic cups. We'll be out to other end away from fair. Dad, can I wind the window down and watch the smoke come from the funnel? No, lad. Oh, it's not cold. And then it went right, so I've got this. <laughs> that's just took me back, that, mate. That's so took me back. That was the first one. I never have it. I've never recorded that. But after, it, it was weird because, first of all, the, the, the daytime programme controller brought me in for a chat. If you bring, you know, if we bring you back on daytime to produce the morning segment, um, you bring in the Bradshaws, aren't you? We'll pay you your wage. Never went cards in. Do you ever go at cards in? No. No? Always freelance? <coughs> well, I worked for the BBC for <coughs> 23 years, so oh, I right. suppose that's cards in, isn't it? Yeah, no, I never did that. I was just a contracted by him. And it was a good move because he said to me, and we'll pay you for ringing the Bradshaws, we'll pay you £5 an episode. And I thought, you cheeky sod. I said, uh, no, OK, I'll tell you what, I'll bring them in for free, but you let me sell my cassettes on front of desk and I'll pay you 20%. Yeah, we'll have that. Free, they're getting free material and they're getting 20% of all the sales and it went through the absolute mm. ceiling two awards for Sony Awards for the best use of comedy on radio it's selling like McEwen down the street at, for uh, at Christmas for sales and stuff and they're making money and then they got a little bit arsy about it afterwards and said you shouldn't be paying us commission uh, we shouldn't be paying you commission uh, we should it's, it's just bang out of order, that. Um, we want more. And it went, these conversations went on a regular basis, you know, so we eventually fell out and I moved on. But that's how it all started. And it, and it was out of my, completely out of my control then. All I could do was try and keep up. See, that, did, that, up. did that take the, the fun out of it a little no, bit? Well, it, 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 I, th I mentioned before that it was this strange feeling of um, commercial department phoning me up and saying, can you do... Um, some somebody wants you to do this, do an advert for these, and I was doing it, but always under the the guise of the Bradshaws. Nobody ever wanted me. It didn't happen. And I st I remember going through a few months of a, a little bit of just personal trouble here, and I kept thinking, come on, I need to get out from under this. But the man, Phil Wood, the genius Phil Wood, and he really was the clever, no, love, clever love man. Phil Wood. Really is a f clever, clever man. He decided, he said, look, what we'll do, Hawkins, think about this. I'm going to introduce the Bradshaws every night in big style, and we had the fanfares and everything. I'm not going to mention you at all. You are my producer, and that's where it ends. And let them guess, because what they don't know makes them interested. And I thought, OK, that'll go with that. And that happened all that time. I had no idea that it was going, one, it was going to cause me some headache later on, 
But two, it was probably one of the biggest reasons why people kept listening because the questions were being asked on all the radio stations. BBC Merseyside took it, Lancashire took it, Stoke, BBC Stoke took it, all the stations took it. At that point, Piccadilly tried to wrap my knuckles and said, you can't let anybody else have it, we want exclusivity, and I walked. But Five Live took it yeah. for quite a while as well so it'd be like who shot jr i guess wouldn't yeah, it you know they were all coming on they were all having the same conversation who is it yeah, who's, yeah, who yeah. is this who is this yeah. is there is there really more is the only one of him is it is it yeah because yeah. I, I i've got this mental picture in my head what they look like and everything oh, you know when i was growing up good i had this this image what they look like and well everything. that explains was, you you saying that explains in 1994, that was in 1992. When it, the 83, I think, was when I did the first episode. So next year's 40 years now. Wow! Can you believe? Oh God, that's made so, me feel old. That. Yeah. Told you you're old. You, <laughs> you have you no sympathy? <laughs> so, but the, the in 1994, uh, Granada had been in touch and said, you know, why don't we make a TV series here and we'll do 10 shorts? I think they're seven or eight minutes long. Um. And we'll show it, and they did, and they show, we made it. There's a big story there as well about how they cut the, the budget from whatever they said it was to a third of what they promised, and it changed everything. And it was difficult to do, but survived it. Um, even that, I didn't allow them to to show mum and dad. By then, I'd already commissioned and I'd built um, a, a, a puppet, which was an animatronic, remote controlled animatronic Billy and his mate Michael Morris and one or two other bits a, a, a pot dog whose head turned and watched off the sideboard and all that crazy stuff that was going on very simple but it was all shot with one camera one because the budget only gave me one camera and two because I didn't want to show too much I wanted people to keep wondering what's where it What's, what what yeah. else is in the room? So the cameraman instructed and he said to me, what can I point at? You won't let me show the characters' faces. I had two actors doing uh, Alpha and Audrey. And um, I said, well, just show me everything else in the room, but in small, go in close and show me that old clock. with the, the teapot showing, or something. Yeah, uh, showing five past four. It said five past four all the time. It never moves. <laughs> Just cut to that now and then. Show me the teapot with the steam coming up from the spout. Show me the tea strainer with teas in it. Just do, give me those things, close-ups, and don't go back looking for the wide shots because there's nothing to show nothing there. To see. And they did that, and that created even more interest then because people are saying, you know, who's, who are the actors? What's happening? It was just... Yeah, they tuned in to sort of like yeah, to, to, to see what you look like, yeah. but you, you still yeah. wasn't. Look, and I, I worked with the Grumbleweeds many uh, Grumbleweeds many years later. I was I was doing some writing for him, and I don't know if you you'll know the Grumbleweeds, of course. F funniest, funniest people the on the planet. Oh. Funny and Graham Grumble, as he was known, was a genius, absolute genius comic. But think of Charlie Drake or somebody like that. Is that the one that looked like Charlie Drake? It did look he like a bit, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was just a funny person, yeah. funny bones. So I'd been writing some scripts for his uh, for their television uh, series. And he, he pulled me one day and he said, you know, we keep getting asked to do the Bradshaws. So I, and I knew why, because I'd written a script where Graham come in dressed as a wolf cub <laughs> into a pub. <laughs> Looking like, for his dad. Like you would. Right. <laughs> like you would. <laughs> In Mosley, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've done this. I've written it for him. 
and uh, and he come on and years and years and years later when I when I met him again he said they're still asking me can we do the Bradshaws? And said, we don't do the Bradshaws. And we, but we couldn't tell him who did because we didn't know it was you. We thought you'd just give us this sketch with a kid in and then suddenly okay. we found out the reason was because that's the kind of sketch you were writing anyway for radio. So full circle, isn't it? It just keeps I, going round and round. And I Your should turn say... to talk now. Sorry no, about that. Oh, I, I was listening. I, I was I, enjoying I've that. Give me a microphone. I know we've gone off city yeah. a little bit, but I, I think for one Apologies week we can do fans. that, so that's not a problem. And, 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 and in a minute we'll, we'll talk some city, but... Um, listening to the to the way you've told that, and I have already had the conversation with you in private about the fact that the royal family became a the TV series that is the royal family became a sensation in this country, and I've got to know Craig Cash. He's, he's a great fella, and he's a City fan. The yeah, similar games, and and the unbelievably talented Carolina Hearn, you know, and and. I, I look at what you did as the Bradshaws, look at how that developed. Now, I know they're not exactly the same, but that observational humour, that very down-to-earth way of looking at life, that very mank humour. I mean, I know Jim Royal, the character, is a, is a scouser, but it's still, it feels like it's absolutely Mancunian humour, yeah, which is where we started with all this. Has yeah. been This is what City fans are all about. Yeah. Um, you must have looked at what happened with the Royal Family and yeah. thought... I planted a seed for that. It was an ouch moment for me because it was Bill Tarmy that pulled me. I'd gone to see a jazz night at the uh, the Broad Oak pub. They used to have jazz every Tuesday mm. night, and I'm in there on a Tuesday. Bill Tarmy's at the bar. He used to get up and sing some songs himself, belting voice. It's in Coronation Street, yeah. of yeah. course. That's right, yeah. Jack Duckworth. Yeah, yeah, Jack Duckworth. And he says, uh, uh, what do you think? So what, what do you mean? He said, you see that tonight about the royal family? So I thought the Queen's up, <laughs> fell off a horse or something like that. No, he said, no, it's a programme called The Royal Family. Go and watch it. So I said, OK. He said, but you're going to be upset. Why? Because it's your premise. It's it's three or four people in, in somebody's front room or living room talking to each other about anything. What time's the club band coming? What's for tea? And the old fella sits in an armchair and says, my ass." <laughs> <laughs> So, and I watched it, and I was absolutely—I was gutted for a while. Mm. I mean, I'm flattered beyond belief now that they actually used my premise to, to mm. do this series. Great stuff to them, but at the time, I thought, "What am I going to do now? It's gone." But it yeah. hasn't gone. No, no, gone. no, no. Well, well, well let, let's <clears throat> if I can, let, let's let's play a bit of charades here, right? Let's talk about City, but let's get rid of Buzz for a bit, and <laughs> yeah, let's please, bring yeah. let, let's bring in the family to talk about this. <laughs> so, um, so you know, I'm, I'm just going to talk about City's matches, you well, know, I'll, against. I'll, I'll, I'll... I'll just go and have a brew and so, leave it with them. Absolutely. So, um, so Alf, you know, I mean, did you, did you watch the City game yesterday? Of course I did. I sat there watching it there. Then I was a bottle of brown ale. That fella, Arland, he's a big bugger, isn't he? Bloody hell. I think he sleeps in a greenhouse, him. Good God. <laughs> well, I thought he was very nice myself. He's very lanky, isn't he? Mm. His mother must have looked after him. Put muck in his shoes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can I have muck in my shoes? <laughs> what did you think of the game, Paul? Oh. <laughs> if you could bring you back there to earth. <laughs> 
I can't do them voices though. I remember, I remember. There's one thing I remember you saying. I think you said it, and, and I just remember. You, I don't know if it's your catchphrase or what, but it was "Flaming Nora Audrey," and, you, <laughs> and I remember that, and that just sticks in my head, and I still say it to this day. You know, I still say it to Mrs. To this. And day. every time Harlan scores, that must be the line: "Flaming Nora." Flaming Nora. Flaming Nora. Another one. Another one. You see that? Oh no, he's he's he's. It's just grown men kicking a ball about. There's nothing clever about it. <laughs> How many times have you had that, probably, Paul, from your missus? Oh, my mum. You're going to watch 22 grown men kicking a bag of wind around. My mum mum was, was, we can relate to it because it was all us. My dad was Alf, my mum was Audrey and I were Billy. Everyone can relate to that. And I remember going to matches and my mum would stop me and my dad and walk in through the door arguing. Because we got beat as usual. He was saying David White was bloody useless, and I was sort of saying, No, he's not. He's the fastest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. We're all giving it that. My mum would walk through the door. She went, Right, will you shut up? The A team's on now. Keep, stop <laughs> your arguing. It's only bloody football. And that that's all we got, you know, kick, kicking a pig's bladder about. But they sit down and eat your hot dogs, and that, that, that was the sort of stuff we got, you know. Were you passed down? To, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, right from the word go, my dad, my mum and dad actually, but my dad was very protective, so I never was a regular on the Kipax, but you passed down to the front and all that business all that. in the old days. Well, I started off in Platte Lane, um, moved into Platte Lane, and then I was just missing I felt like I was missing out something going on in the Kipax, because when we scored, which was... We we stole quite a lot, but the opposition seemed to score more. <laughs> it was that surge that you know from the back to the front, and it was like the crowd just surged like a wave to the front. And I thought I want some of that, so I think it was probably about ten. And I'm only little, so my dad, my dad had, te- I'd, I'd go in, he'd see me in, and I just sit at the front, and everyone looked after you. Yeah, nobody, wow. nobody knew my name. Nobody knew anything. But they looked after you. You know, they sat you on the front, or you know, if you were near a barrier and it surged, they kind of protected you and looked after you. And you know, get back, get you know, and, and it, it was brilliant. Yeah, people... we couldn't do that now with health and safety. Oh, no. And obviously, uh, the number of times people have come up to me and and talked to me after a game, because as you know, I do a match day vlog and I talk to fans before and after the games. And and some people will come up to me and go, "You went to Main Road, didn't you? You know, was it, the atmosphere was far better at Main Road, wasn't it?" And I'll, I'll say, "Well, at the time when the Kipax was all standing, yeah, and when I first started to go." Yes, there were some games, not all games, but some games where the atmosphere was amazing. As soon as it was converted into all-seater because of what happened at Hillsborough and, and Heysel and all the rest of it, that started to change. And now as we see City at the Etihad, we're seeing the expansion of corporate areas and uh, you know a lot more tourists and visitors coming. Now, I'm not in itself knocking that. I'm just saying that's the evolution that the club mm. is going through. The atmosphere does change. I mean, the other day... I mean, it's only a week since United came to the Etihad and City battered them. Yeah. And, and the atmosphere then was completely different, wasn't it? But when you started going, when I started going, when you were going buzz as a kid, yeah. you know, when Billy was there, yeah. you know, then it, it was it was completely different. But I don't know, is it good? Is it bad? Is it is it just the natural way of things? Is it a price of I'm success? I'm proud of the way it is now, and I'm proud of the way um, the owners have embraced the area. It's yeah. just they've made... It's city land, yeah. and they're doing all the right things. It's like the new arena that's been yeah, built. That's you, you're going to be able to come down and spend the weekend it's there, just aren't absolutely you? Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was talking to some, well, talking someone on Twitter, and we we're going about. They said that they think the atmosphere, because it, I'll admit it, the atmosphere does drop 
on a lot of occasions. I think a lot of the time it's because we're mesmerised by the amazing football we're watching. <laughs> you know, because mm. we're actually sat there watching it. Um, but I think this, this season that the atmosphere's got a lot better. And I think the reason for it is the seat, the standing. We've got some safe standing now. Yeah. So everybody, you know, there's more people allowed yeah. to stand up. And I think I think the would atmosphere's... You, is, would you, is there any way of knowing why the away fans sing better than the home because matches. all of the ones who want to sing are all collected I'm, I'm the drunk. only one out I'm in the away yeah. end I'm the one who doesn't sing yeah, yeah. I'm the only one that doesn't sing well I'm I'm right next to the away fans I'm in block 111 so I'm right. literally I'm as far away as Ian is from me now right away from the away fans um the, the they're all drunk that, <laughs> that that's the key and more yeah and and the the the, the Colombian marching powder kicks in as well. All oh, right. Um, so you know I'm the away fans are brilliant and singing because most of them are all tanked up, and that is it. You know if you look at European games, yeah. when the home fans can't drink apart from before the game, um, you know so you rush home from work and have a quick pint. Most people don't have a drink because they're driving and what have you. Yeah. The atmosphere's dull, yeah. subdued. Yeah. But the away fans, apart from them. Bloody drums! Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the away you fans, too, yeah. the away fans are noisy, and you know, and it's 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 that it's that the day out, isn't it? I've yeah. got to tell you this though. I mean, in, uh, the club have changed massively, but there are still some signs that they have an absolute heart. I mean, over the last few days, I've had two great experiences as a fan. I was invited along to the annual supporters club dinner which these days is a fundraiser for CITV which is City in the Community Um, so very kind of them to invite me along and it meant I was in the VIP area even though I'm not a VIP but I was allowed to go in there and I and Pablo Zabaleta was there Nader Manua loads of old faces like Ian Meller Stan Horn from a completely different generation Dennis Stewart and uh, Gary Owen and people like that were all there Um, and I got to chat to Pablo and you could tell from the way he speaks, and he speaks brilliantly, how much the club and the club's fans meant to him. He walked into the room, which was on the top tier of the... Um, the uh, well, not the top tier, in the middle, where the Legends Lounge is, behind the goal, in the south stand. And there were probably about 400 fans in there, and they were chanting his name. And he was, and actually, at one point, I wish I'd filmed it, um, I was sitting listening to it, and I thought, I missed a trick here, but... The, he started, they asked him to sing his own song and he actually oh. sang his own song. <laughs> you know, um, uh, the whole thing, you know, uh, it's the yeah. same shame Yap Stan wasn't there, you know what I mean? But yeah, he, yeah. He, he sang the whole song and you could see that the club is, the whole fact that that event went on, Danny Wilson stood up there, gave a great speech. The fact that and Nader Manua now is part of City, City in the community, he was brilliant as well. The way they came together was extraordinary. And when I came away, I felt really uplifted by that mm. because the Proud. danger is that the club can go away from that. And then on the Saturday, I'd been contacted by a guy called Nigel, Nigel Rothband, who's, who said to me, my father is celebrating his 102nd birthday. I saw wow. this. Yes, and, I saw and, this, yeah. and, and, But more than that. So I said, well... Can I interview him, or I don't want to interview him if you don't think it's appropriate. I don't want to embarrass him. I don't if he, if he, I don't know what condition he's in. Please say no if you don't want me to. But if if I can, then it'd be nice to to reflect his visit. And he said, well, it's more than that. He said the club. He said I put something out on social media, and the club actually said 
you know, why don't you come to a game, you and your family, bring him with you, and we'll put you in a private box, food, drink, the lot. And they did that. Wow. Thanks to Nigel, I got into the stadium, I filmed a little bit of it, put in there. But the response I've had on, on the vlog that I do has been amazing because it's a real person, a real yeah. man, not as VIP, nobody nope. special, just an ordinary guy who's been watching City all his life. Wow. Who was treated like royalty. And again, I walked away from that thinking, that's my club. Yeah. That's Manchester City. Yeah. And and there may be other clubs that occasionally do that from time to time, but I see stories like that so much from City. Yes, they're expanding. Yes, the corporate areas are moving. Yes, the prices are going up. Yes, tickets are harder to come by these days. There's lots of things that you can complain well, about. That comes with the territory, though, doesn't but it? But they've still got a soul. And mm. and I mean, you and I, um, Buzz, have been even longer fans probably than than youngster Paul over there. But that is quite junior. <laughs> junior. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like junior. Ah, kid. We'll call him Billy from now on. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know that that is it is what we want to hear, isn't it? As yeah, fans, of course it does. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was always City's always been. For me, it's always been a personalised club. It's always been one for the fans. Mm. Uh, and it was more noticeable to me because I used to meet my pals there at Main Road as I got into my teens. And I, so, and I was jumping on a bus then. So I'd get on two, I think it was two, it, was, it might have been even three buses sometimes. And I'm stood there one particular day, memory as vivid as hell, it's bouncing down as it only can. Um, and a car pulls up at the, at the bus stop I says, are you going to a match? I said, yeah. So I get, so get in. It's David Shawcross. <laughs> and he's pulled up at the side of the road to pick a perfect stranger up in the pouring rain when he's going to play at the match anyway. Unbelievable. So be scared. Did you have your scarf on and everything? No, was it round I, your wrist had no blues on. I had no <laughs> blues on, no, but it was, it was just... Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. obvious match day, you know. And then, wow, just yeah. absolutely amazed me. And I'll never forget... David's and I thrilled to bits. I didn't exactly dine on it, but I've, I've just been. Yeah. Where have I yeah, just? Yeah. No, you've not. No, you've not. You're bullshitting. No, 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 yeah. no it's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, there was no phones then to take a selfie. No, nothing you was there. No, you know, no. you've just got the memory, haven't no, you? And, yeah, it was yeah. lovely. But but the club's always been like that for me. Yeah. Even the people. I remember being there when my old fella, my old fella had a little van. His first car was a little van. It was a Thames, something or other trader a little thing and we we used to go in the mat uh, to the match and then park up in the moss side you know what it's like trying to oh, park yeah. there do you ever did you ever go well yeah because me, me gran lived i i used oh. to watch people man people's cars for him and stuff like well, that you were in were you it was probably me and the kid would come up and <laughs> yeah. say mind your car mate yeah you know, <laughs> that was it yeah we used to, we used to do it yeah. so you know i've got a big dog in it so yeah, well, yeah. can you put fires out <laughs> 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 yeah, well, that's that's another example of mank humour, isn't it? Eh? Yeah, eh? yeah. I mean, I exactly. can remember Denmark Road was the road you came along to approach the ground, wasn't it? Yeah. And I used to park on the side, well, up uh, up a Lloyd Street, and then Denmark, Denmark Road was off it. And I used to park there, and sure as anything, as soon as you park there, some kid, yeah. some scrot, yeah, like that, Paul, will come up to you and go, pound, mend your care, pound. Yeah. <laughs> and that was when a pound was a lot of money. Well, it's 50, I charge 50p, I used to get 25p, and if I was there when he came back, I got the extra 25p, so... Ah. But then, then I thought, no, I want to go to the games now. Yeah. And now, now instead... Yeah. yeah. 
And professionally now he goes, oh, it's a bit more than that, and scratches his Ooh, chin and does all that's that. Gonna co- Ooh, that's going to cost you yeah. that yeah, much. He's <laughs> never changed, never changed. He's <laughs> good grounding. That's where I learned. I learned my bargaining uh, uh, powers of persuasion. So and you stuff. actually lived in the moss at the time? No, or... me, me gran. My gran lived on Thornton Road, which, if you remember, the, the Kipats car park was like a gravelly car park, yeah. and it was a school, was it the Claremont, the school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a school just on, off to the side, so she lived there for probably 30 years. Right. So as a kid, you know, as a baby, I was going around my grand's, and I'd spend a lot of time in the six-week holidays, the summer holidays there, so... I'd be going into I'd be going into the ground and stuff like that. You, you had Bernard Alford doing getting you to well, sign yeah. balls, didn't you? I, I used to. Um, I'd, 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 I remember standing outside because we get there early because me me you know my dad liked to get in and sit down and read his programs and stuff. We got chippy and I think that's where the chip muffin comes from. <laughs> and we was just there one day and Bernard Alford's at the players' entrance, you know, looking to get autographs and stuff like that. I think it was Saab. It was around that time when, because they all had Saabs, didn't they, I think? Graham Baker, I think, of when I think yeah, of Saab. Yeah, that area, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, they all had Saab cars who were sponsored by them. So I remember Bernard Alford, well, I didn't know it was Bernard Alford. This the guy secretary. came out, yeah, and said, um, yeah, can, I, can I borrow your son for a bit? So my dad's like, what for? So he they, they spoke and he said, go on, Paul. He said, uh, go with this gentleman. And he's, uh, anyway, we went in the, there was like a little door next to the thing, I think, where the players went in. So he goes in there. I didn't have a clue. So it was me and this this girl. So we, we both went in, um, gave us gave us two balls and a, and a, and a, a biro. Um, and he said, right, just follow me. And we, we went in the home dressing room and then the away dressing room, got these balls signed. And they were like, Sponsored ball, you know, for like auctions and stuff oh, like right. that. Yeah. So I yeah. did that for about two years. Did you? And I met all the own players, all the away players, and, and everyone. Didn't did have I... to forge an, an autograph. No, there, no, there, honestly, you? I didn't no. get one myself though. This was the crazy <laughs> thing. I mean, I think Paul Power was the captain. I think Paul Power was the captain at the time, so it was that era. Um, but I'll never. I didn't. I didn't take a. I, I met them all. Referee, even George Courtney, remember the referee? I met them and they signed Now they'd be it signing your head because it looks like a ball, <laughs> well, it? Well, exactly. Oh, that hair then. A lovely head of lovely black hair then. I can't believe that. I've no. got to tell you, my one of my stories from the old days when City, I've told this many times before, so forgive me if I've told it on the podcast. I can't remember. You've told it on the way to the European <laughs> Games, I'm sure. But I've, I've been, you know, I, work, I was working in a bank, so it was it was at the right, the very beginning of my broadcasting career, if you like. I was a member of the supporters club. I used to be the steward on the football specials, going to all, the, these are the trains that went to the away games. And uh, because I was a member of the supporters club, um, Frank Horrocks, who at the time was the head of the supporters club, uh, Kevin Parker these days is his modern day successor, um, contacted uh, the, the supporters club branches and said, you know anybody who can commentate? And I was doing a little bit for hospital radio. Um, I wasn't known as a commentator, but uh, would he like to be considered to be a commentator? And uh, there was me and uh, I forgot his name now. I can't believe I can't, his name's gone from my mind. The guy who used to be the pitch on the pitch who with the white suit on did it did it at Wembley as well. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, just can't think of his name. My apologies if you're listening to this and that's you because I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's just gone out of my mind for a minute. You know that's what happens when you get older. Answers on a postcard. Anyway, you'll know who it is if you're of a certain generation. Anyway, it was down to me and him, and he didn't want to do it. And so I was asked to go down to Main Road during the week to have an interview. So I go down in my lunch hour. I get to Main Road about quarter past 12. I've got to be back to work for one o'clock. So I've got a half hour window. I go up the steps of Main Road. I go in through the main entrance and Jeff Durbin, who at the time was either assistant or commercial manager, 
said to me, come into the blue room, which is the room at the back of the main entrance. And uh, and he said to me, um, oh, have you, have you, and I was, I'm all suited and booted because I'm working in a bank. And he says, uh, yeah, have you come in your lunch hour? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, so you haven't had anything to drink or anything? I said, no, no. First of all, I'd like to just apologise. This takes you back to the era. He says, just want to apologise that we can't afford to turn the heating on uh, during the week here at the club. So I thought, right, okay. He says, um, might, if we're lucky, I'll ask the chef if she'll, if he'll do you a, a cup of tea. Is that all right? So I went, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, that's great. And he went, but you haven't eaten either, have you? I said, no, no, I haven't eaten anything. He said... Might be able to rustle you up a piece of toast if the chef's in a good mood. Uh, I went, great, great, thanks. So they, they come back with a, you know, like a cold piece of toast and a cup of tea yeah, yeah. with no milk in it because they haven't been to the off license to get a bottle of milk or something. <laughs> and he's sitting there going, so do you want the job here? We can't afford to pay you. It's a voluntary job. You'll be up on the TV gantry and and you do every game like that. And I thought, what an introduction yeah, to yeah. Mime Club yeah. Manchester City. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, no interview. It was just, do you want the job? <laughs> I did the job. I did it for a few years. I used to go up on this TV gantry, which was full of litter. Nothing like the glamorous thing that you think it is. You know, sort of wobbly chair up there. You could easily have fallen, you know, to your death off the top of there. And uh, and and I actually introduced, I, I, after a bit, I said, should we not have somebody doing it with me? You know, like an ex-player or something like that. And they went, never heard of that. No, no, no. So I persuaded people like Bobby Johnson, who who was still knocking around at the time, Mike Summerby, Mike Doyle, uh, Fred Eyre, to summarise. And that was how my so career sort so of it's started, your fault really. that the likes of Robbie Savage yeah. and Andy Inchcliffe are out there, is yeah. it? Hey, Andy Inchcliffe fault. came as a footballer. I'll yeah. tell you this now, as a footballer, he didn't do it. When he was at Everton and Sheffield Wednesday, he never talked to the media. I didn't realise this because when his career finished, I rang him up and said, Andy, do you fancy being my summariser when I'm working for the BBC. And he said, well, I've never done it before. I said, it'd be fine, I'll teach you. And he did it. And I got calls from Radio Merseyside and Radio Sheffield saying, have you got Andy Inchcliffe on the air? I said, I don't know, I just rang him up and asked him. He wouldn't do an interview with us for two years. <laughs> and then he did all the games with me, you know, and look so at his your career fault now. again. Well, now, now all City fans want him off the air, don't they? They don't want him on it now. Have you have you ever had any contact with City Buzz, or have you always just been a fan in the background? The couple of proud moments. No, I've always been a fan in the background. A couple of things where um, Ken Barnes and um, Peter Barnes, I, I did a do for Manchester City players. One that I don't know where it was nowadays. It's somewhere like the the Premier Lounge or somewhere like that, isn't it? Where they raffle off auction balls and they have special guest speakers. This one was a little bit different, but it was somebody's birthday, some player's birthday, and I was one of three or four. Uh, and the Bradshaws were doing okay at the time, so they knew who I was. And uh, Peter Barnes brought Ken up to the stage when I finished, come off and said. My dad's a big fan, but he won't tell you. So he's here. Dad, tell him. That was as far as it went. That was about as close as I got, really. I mean, I'd love to be involved with that. I just love that club to bits. Well, even now, I'd wonderful. still love to be. I mean, I'm I'm on the outside now. I'd I'd crawl over hot coals to to work for City or be involved in yeah. City in some sort of official capacity. But maybe those days have gone for me. Um, just to finish off the podcast, um, because believe it or not, the hours soon whiz 
spy, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I normally aim for you. about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I never stop. Do a buzz. <laughs> um, just, just quickly. Next week. Uh, first of all, the podcast won't be recorded on the Sunday as we normally do. It'll be the Monday because City play Liverpool at Anfield at 4.30 on Sunday afternoon. So we'll do it a, a couple, you know, 24 hours later or whatever. But that is a big game. City have got the trip to Copenhagen. Obviously, Paul and I and our friends are off to that. Uh, I, don't, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but I don't particularly expect any problems with that. And City more or less through now with three games to go but the Liverpool game is a big game they've lost to Arsenal today as we're recording this in the evening uh, and so they're going to be extra motivated I just wonder what your your thoughts are I'll start with you Paul on you know are um, Liverpool going to be that motivated it's going to be tougher or you know what I don't even it, I don't think it matters whether they're motivated or not I just don't think they're good enough um I think I said it on your podcast um, last last season. I, I said that Liverpool are not going to be the, the force to be reckoned with. Um, every every season they've had, they've been playing catch up to us, and they've been every time we win, they've had to win. If they drop a point, we go further away, and it's so intense. They've got to be on it and on it and on it, and I don't think they're on it. I think that I think they're burnt out. I think the Liverpool fans are an aged squad, and I think they they're burnt out now. And the players that were performing for them, obviously Mane going, yeah, that's he's that's a big loss. that's he the is. that's the loss. I was they never got, a big got, fan of his. No, I As wasn't. A player, he was a great player, but yeah. he was always yeah. going down, yeah. and fouling, and he was not a nice player. But he, he was but there. Everybody thought Salah was the man. Yeah, but I I said no, it's, it's Mane, and, yeah. it, and when he was going, I was rubbing my hands because I'm thinking, right, yeah. this is giving us. But then I was worried who they were going to sign. But, but then we signed Ireland. Well, as much as United would like to say that the big match for them is Liverpool and the rivalry is theirs, I think Liverpool are more uh, a little more they're in awe of us now. They won't admit it. No. But they manage no to chance. turn us over often enough, yep. haven't they? Yeah. So I have to say, out of all the matches this season, and I had no problem with the United one at all. I knew we were going to beat them. Yeah. It was better than I thought. Actually, yeah. But yeah. I likewise. Knew that we'd turn them over. But Liverpool is a slightly different, especially at Anfield. So, um, but I'll never forgive them for having a go at our bus. That's, no, that's no. It. I think so that's turned no a lot of City fans, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah that's, they do now. I can't appreciate. No, what it's just the. I, I just. I've never been a massive fan of Liverpool. I was when I was a kid because I thought the football was amazing. Um, and anybody that could stop United winning the title. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That was the yeah. only times because like, so I like Liverpool if you like, but as the. As the interactions have got closer, yeah. whereas before it didn't matter because it was Liverpool it was just it was an op- the opposition who beat us, that was it. But yeah. now, now it's a real it is a rivalry because it's positional. Yeah. It's, it means something right, now, yeah. doesn't it? But can I ask I, you who, who's your second club? I haven't got one. You must have a second. I haven't club. got one. No, no, no. What about who's you? yours then, Buzz? My, mine's. Mine was Wolves, it still is, I think. And the reason was very simple. I remember when I was dead little, David Wagstaff played for City. He did. And he played, was he number 11? Yeah, I think yes, so, he was yeah. number yeah. 11. Winger. And, and our second shirt was a Wolves shirt, was a Wolves colour. I've never seen that shirt. Mm. Never, we've never used that colour before, I don't think, or since. And I got one for Christmas, because my dad knew I was a Waggy fan, with number 11 on the back. And I've loved them ever since. Since that. But now Vinny's at Burnley, so I can't not have Burnley as a second <laughs> club. Yeah, that's fair what enough. You? My my second club, as as a lot of people will know, is a German club called Schalke because my mum was born 
in Gelsenkirchen. It's funny, in a couple of weeks, City play at Dortmund, so I'll be driving over there and stopping with my family, oh, which wow. is like about 30 miles away, so it saves me having to have an hotel and pay a lot of money out, because <laughs> I believe the hotels in Dortmund are very expensive yeah. at the moment, so we'll that's, at, that's my second I'll be able to have the bedroom this... <laughs> We're normally in an Airbnb together, yeah, yeah, fighting yeah. over who gets the bedroom yeah, and yeah. who gets the sofa. <laughs> I'll, I'll be able to stretch my legs in a big bed on that one. So yeah, he's only got a little legs, well, it has to be that big, really. No, yeah. no. no. <laughs> You're only the same size as me. Good it's more of, a, more of a crib. <laughs> uh, listen, thanks for your hospitality, Buzz. Um, being here in a studio and being face-to-face with people it's is great. refreshing and lovely. Yeah. Um, we must do this again, and, yeah. and not You're too welcome. long from now. Um, Les Chapman was going to come down chappy today, uh, but he wasn't able to come at the last minute through no fault of his own, and I'm sure he would have absolutely loved to have been sat here. So maybe we'll do one here with Chappie or Les Chapman in the future, um, or if not, uh, you know, somebody else. So there's only been three of us tonight but with uh, Alf Audrey and, and Billy here as well we've had six in the room haven't we um, go and check squeezed. out the Bradshaws if you've never heard them you've never listened to them find them somewhere and have a listen and Buzz of course is a, a very accomplished musician and is out and about doing shows as new stuff out all I've the got time a new album out next I was going to say there you the go 14th there you go month. and it's called it's out on all the streaming platforms it's called You Know Who You Are it's not a comedy album, but it's tongue-in-cheek. It's uh, looking at people. In se- have you ever... Can I give you a quick... Have we got time for a little a quick anecdote? You can have as long as you want. I'm, I'm at this particular jazz night that I mentioned before that Jack Duckworth, Bill Timer, used to go to. And on this one night, there was a, there was a guitar player that had come over from Leeds to step in because the piano player that usually played in the jazz trio quartet was not available. And I watched him all night. I was mesmerised that how anybody could do what he was doing on guitar, playing four, you know, like Django Reinhardt, four to the bar, holding the whole rhythm section together. I know exactly and we talked what you for mean. For ten yeah. minutes, a fabulous. Day. Yeah. <laughs> well, for about ten minutes, we talked afterwards. The following day, I'm walking through Ashton for my sins. Sorry, Ashton. And uh, on the other side of the road, this chap in a rain mask shouts, "All right, bus." I said, "Yeah, yeah, hi." You know, you do. Didn't recognise him at all, and then I realised it twigged. It was the guitar player, and because he wasn't holding a guitar Didn't and wearing a nice him. shirt, and he was wearing an old rain mark. I thought, you know what? Everybody I meet has probably got another life that I have no idea what it is. Hmm. Behind the facade yeah. is another life. Yeah. And I started to make ask questions about people. What do you really do? What do you? Do? I've met nuclear scientists that you wouldn't. You'd think what? <laughs> Honest to God, to these people and the tales they've told me. Anyway, the album is based on that sort of thing. So every track on it is the kind of a synopsis of a story about a person that I would never have known anyway. So there is we it, are. What, Sorry what, about that. What Again, genre is it? Is it jazz? Is it folk? Is no, it... it's kind of acoustic rock, kind of 70s, 80s, kind of anything really. There's no rules, is there? Spang really? Spang a tune out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Go not, for it, yeah. It's not your uh, your bouncing up and down stuff that you'll probably be into. Well, I think you, you should give us. Shore. Oh no, no, no! Give, give us a DVD, <laughs> and we could listen to it on the way down to the game. Yeah, you could. Yeah. But I've, yeah, you can't but... listen to a DVD, Paul. It's, it's from oh, the yeah, art. It's the old days, isn't it? Yeah. I've still got. I've got the Bradshaws on cassette. I think. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, well, well listen, uh, the reason I we're here today is because I also do a radio show which is all about musical theatre and performance, and, and obviously Buzz is a performer. I, I Believe it or not, after years of working in radio and listening to the Bradshaws, we'd never actually met, and so I was as guilty of not even knowing what you look like until we first met. And it's been an absolute joy to be in your company, Buzz. You're a great, great bloke. Um, and... Uh, check out the interview that I did with Buzz as well about the other side of his, his career, uh, which is well worth listening to. Um, I'll be back with another podcast next Monday evening. Obviously, it'll go live on SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. And I have to thank, of course, Howard Solicitors, Stockport and Ashton and Cheshire, the based in. They specialise in family law. So if you're going through a separation or you're having problems with access to your children or social services, and this is just one of the services they provide, give them a call. Uh, 0161-872-9999 or email law at howardsolicitors.com and I thank them from the bottom of my heart for their support because we wouldn't have this podcast without them. So, um, City um, carry on their, their lovely way with uh, loads of goals this week. 6-3 against United, 5-0 against Copenhagen, 4-0 uh, in, at the weekend and, and sometimes you even forget who City have played but it was Southampton. <laughs> uh, this week it's Copenhagen Next Sunday, it's Liverpool, and so it marches on. And with big thanks to Buzz and to Paul and to you for listening and spreading the word, and make sure you watch the vlog as well that I did over the weekend. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back soon. And if you only remember one thing from this podcast, it's not that Buzz is the voice of the pod, of the, uh, the Bradshaws. It's not that Paul is a garage mechanic. It's not that I once went and it was too cold at Main Road to have an interview. Just remember this. <laughs> it's great to be a blue. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Quality. <laughs>